Episode number 293, First In, Last Out, with Todd Elliott. Part one. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast this week. Please forgive my cold and my voice. I promise it is not the Rona. Uh, But I have been a traveling machine the last couple of months, uh, and my travel calendar is already pretty full, so here's hoping that my cold goes away and I do not bring the COVID to a city near you, although I could probably get a side hustle doing movie trailer voices in a world. But I will, uh, I'll spare you that this week. Uh, one place that I am headed next month, if my cold goes away, is Philo Conference. Philo stands for First In, Last Out, and is for staff and volunteers in the tech and communication space. Today, I'm talking with the founder of Philo, Todd Elliott. We'll be chatting about Todd's book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas, tackling the challenges of being a church technical artist. We're going to cover a lot of ground this week and next week on the show with Todd, from talking about the difference in a techie and an artist, the value of production, collaboration, leadership, the differences in a budget of a small church and a large church and how that all works, uh, and more. So that's all coming up this week and next week on the show. First, let's check the mailbag and continue our mini trainings on ready-made media content questions. Here we go. All right, this week, let's talk about mini movies and sermon bumpers. Now, these are essentially the same thing, 30 to 60 second videos, but usually mini movies are standalone and are used as more of a service opener or standalone element in your service. A sermon bumper is usually used on screen right before your communicator takes the stage. This sets up the teaching of the day and usually ends on the title graphic for your sermon series. So that's kind of the difference in mini movie and sermon bumper. Now a series trailer is usually the same exact video as the sermon bumper, but with an ending tag on the end that says new series coming next week, something like that. Now at 1230 Media, we sell three types, mini movies and then sermon bumpers. And with our sermon bumpers, we include the trailer versions so that you can use those on social media or on screen leading up to your next series. You can play that in your worship experience a couple of weeks out from when your series starts. So those are in our ready-made library. We also produce hundreds of custom sermon bumpers and trailers for churches all around the world. And I'm going to give you a couple of real quick tips and tricks when it comes to mini-movies and sermon bumpers, okay? First of all, let's talk about the length. Now, we've made sermon bumpers at 15 seconds, 30, 45, 60, even two to three minutes and longer in length. But the best length that we've found for a bumper is between 30 seconds and 60 seconds. Now, why is that? 
This gives time to make your stage transition happen and enough time in the video to get enough content to set the message. So you can do a 15-second bumper, but that's really, uh, it's really short. It really goes by very quickly, um, and it's hard to digest the content, and it's also hard to make a stage transition happen. So, uh, And conversely, a 90-second is a little bit too long. It might be too much content to digest and read on screen, uh, a little bit too overwhelming. So 30 to 60 seconds is kind of the sweet spot of length on Sermon Bumper uh, that, that we found. You might find something different in your context, but in working with the churches that we work with, 30 to 60 seconds is usually the sweet spot. All right, let's talk about the script. Now, the script always comes first for us in the production stage of the bumper. Our team usually writes the scripts ourselves based on any creative or sermon notes that uh, the church gives us or the pastor of that church gives us. Now, the, the script usually comes directly from the pastor's overview of the series. We're usually taking that and condensing that. Now, we don't want to steal his thunder at all. We want to kind of set him up, uh, but we are using elements from his, his overview of the series. So we write out the script and condense it several times to make it short, direct statements, usually no more than about seven to 10 words per text block. Okay, if you get lengthy, it gets really long and hard to digest, especially in 30 to 60 seconds. So you want to really condense that script if you can. Uh, keep your scripts as short and as succinct as possible. And bumpers should be a tease of the message content and, again, should not preach the message before the pastor does. Okay. Next thing I want to talk about is choosing your style. Is this a footage-based video? Is it a motion graphics piece? Is it fast-paced and energetic, slow, thought-provoking? Is it quirky? Uh, you want to kind of figure out your style. Now, I would suggest changing up the style of your bumper videos so that they are not the same feel for every series. You don't want to get in a rut of always having a footage-based piece for every single series or always an explainer type video look for every series. You want to change that up. <clears throat> now, I did a four-part series on the podcast. that There was a talk that I did at SALT Conference a couple of years ago, and you can check out the entire series for free, starting with episode number 214 at makingsundayhappen.com. That's 214 is the episode uh, that starts a four-part four series. And if, if you want more in-depth, uh, a more in-depth dive on Sermon Bumper production, how we do it, and uh, how that might inspire you as you create your own content, uh, that then that's there for you for free, okay? Episode number 214, I did four episodes worth of content all about your elements for Sunday morning, so be sure to check that out. All right, my interview with the founder of Philo, Todd Elliott, is coming right up right after this. Hey guys, I wanted to let you know about a brand new project that we're a part of. We have teamed up with NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters, to bring you a 10-class course called Church Media Masterclass. This course will give you practical training as a church tech and communicator and feature incredible content from my friend Phil Cook, yours truly, Dan Darling from NRB, Stephen Brewster, Mark McDonald, Brad Weston from ProPresenter, Nate Anderson from Resi, 
Jeff Reed from Stadia Church Planning, Josh Brown from His Productions, our creative director, Sean Reese, and more. This is conference-level content for an extremely low price. I'm talking under $10 per class. Register for the Church Media Masterclass today at churchmediamasterclass.com. That's churchmediamasterclass.com. Hey guys, today I welcome Todd Elliott. Todd is a writer, speaker, and technical artist in the local church. He's the founder of Philo. He's also the former tech artist director at Willow Creek Community Church. Todd, welcome in. Thanks for hanging out with me. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, we, we've connected recently. I'd love to, to know a little bit more about you and kind of the backstory on Philo, which is a, a fantastic uh, conference. And uh, you guys put out so many resources for, for church tech people. Give me a little backstory. Yeah. So, I mean, it, uh, the name Philo came from just the idea of first in, last out, which is kind of how a lot of church tech people feel. You know, they're the ones that turn the lights on in the morning, turn them off at night, you know, unlocking the doors, locking the doors. It can be a very, very lonely place. And so for me, so much of what we do came out of my own experience as a tech person and feeling all those feelings, you know, feeling underappreciated and uh, under misunderstood. And uh, I could say, you know, I felt like the victim in a lot of situations, real easy to feel like, oh, woe is yeah. me. And yeah, nobody and understands so, me. Right, right. And so, uh, yeah, just in my early years of being a tech person in the local church, um, and really, yeah, looking for community and trying to figure out, okay, how are other churches doing these same things? And, and frankly, just, yeah, for me as a young person looking for like somebody to tell me that what I did actually mattered. Um, for anybody listening, if you're a tech person in the local church, you know, you only hear about the bad things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody really notices the good things because, uh, yeah, perfection is kind of what people expect and there are no mistakes. And so you only hear about the bad stuff. So, yeah, for me, it was, uh, it all came out of me wanting, yeah, just to be encouraged. And maybe if I could along the way encourage somebody else, um, yeah. That's kind of yeah. where it all came from. And it started, you know, when <clears throat> I was a tech person at my local church, I was in Michigan uh, for many years and the, um, yeah, just feeling like, Hey, let's gather some people together because I'm probably not the only one who's feeling this way. Yeah. And yeah, it was amazing to watch, you know, hundreds of people coming, uh, just to feel like they're a part of something, uh, and feeling understood and yeah. seen. So, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I think it was last week, week before last, I'm sitting in the church that I'm at. And I, I think that the the pastor does the the cardinal, like, I, I hate it when pastors do this. They, you know, uh, the, something doesn't happen on screen. And, you know, do we, do we have that? Do we have yeah. that? Hey, Mr. <laughs> Tech guy. Hey, uh, do we have, and you sit there and wait for 30 seconds. Uh, it's brutal. Oh gosh. And yeah, the, right. here, then it's finally the tech guy going, you didn't give me that slide. Like that, you know, <laughs> that whole experience, I'm sure that we've all been there. That's like, wanna, p- please don't throw your tech guy under the bus just because you have the microphone. Right. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what, that's immediately what I thought of when you were talking about just kind of unappreciated, um, and I, I think a lot of people can feel that way in, in the church, but I think you're right with, with church tech arts that it's, 
you know, on, uh, people only notice you when there when there's feedback or a typo or lyrics are right. off or yeah, or, or a graphic or, missing when yeah. the pastor's calling for it. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, I want to I want to talk about uh, your book. So, um, and then and then we're recording this leading up to Philo this year. So, I'd, I'd love for you to kind of talk about what's what's coming, what people should expect sure. this year. Um, but I love, uh, so I really dove into your book, which was kind of funny because I do a lot of prep for our, for our interviews. I kind of wrote a novel, uh, for our, for our <laughs> prep, uh, for time with you and we can kind of skip through it, but I really enjoyed digging through your book. Oh, uh, and in the introduction of it, you talk about just, just that, what we were just talking about that, you know, sometimes in tech arts, we struggle with not having enough money or our church leadership, not understanding our world or maybe working too many hours, that sort of thing. So maybe talk at maybe what you've learned from being a a young guy to having some more experience. Now, what have you learned over the years that you would either impart to somebody that are maybe dealing with those struggles? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, the thing that I realize along the way is that, so much of my outlook on life as a tech person or just as a Christ follower <clears throat> is my responsibility. Um, you know, feeling understood is not a one-way street. Um, it's a two-way street. And I think realizing, okay, I was feeling misunderstood maybe, but I was also misunderstanding those around me. And so, yeah, we, there was kind of stuff flying in both directions unintentionally. And so, I think for me, it, it uh, the thing that I learned, you know, a lot of times the hard way was that, you know, if I want my relationship with my senior pastor to be better than it is, or for him to understand me more than he does or she does, then I, what can I do about it? What's my part in this? Um, if there's a gap that that exists between me and somebody else, you know, the worship pastor or a musician or even somebody else on the tech team, what am I doing to bridge that gap? Um, I, I used, I, I can remember sitting behind the audio console and feeling like, you know what, I, I'm feeling misunderstood and nobody cares. And, you know, all these victim kind of mentality thoughts. And then I, in that, in this particular moment, I realized well, if I want, if I wish that the the band leader would come and find out how I'm doing, I wonder how they're doing. Maybe I should go ask, and then that would maybe be reciprocated. That if I got to know him, then he would want to get to know me a little bit, and we would kind of yeah be able to meet in the middle. And you know, if if I'm if I would feel more comfortable just staying behind the console and wishing somebody would come talk to me maybe somebody behind the drum set would much rather someone come talk to them instead of them leaving the drum kit and coming out. And so, yeah, it just the, that there's so much of the tension, the tensions that exist between tech people and our counterparts, whether it's the senior pastor or the worship pastor or the children's director or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is that mm. there's a lot that depends on me. And there's a lot of that I could do differently and better. And yeah, uh, like there's a lot of it that's my responsibility. And what am I going to do about it? And I, so I think you bring up a great point of taking the initiative 
to yeah. go to them and, and uh, set up meetings or, hey, can I talk with you on a Thursday and let's go through the, the run sheet and see when the drum solos are? I'd love to make you guys look great. Yeah. You know, yeah I'd yeah. love to really highlight that. Or whatever the case may be, but be right. intentional about that. Is- well, and I think, too, so much of our relationship, uh, if nothing's done, so much of the relationships that exist are based mm-hmm. on a very pressure-cooked situation. You know, it's like we're in rehearsal. We don't yes. have any time. We're trying to get the, you know, to, to um, you know, pulling the services off. And this is not the time to get to know someone. And so, but it's the only context we have for our relationship. So it's right. our relationship is based in tension. And so, yeah, there's all these other times that I could be reaching out and, hey, let's have coffee or let's go to lunch or, uh, you know, whatever the COVID version of that now is, you know, let's have a Zoom chat or whatever. Um, I think, yeah, the, to, to build a relationship outside of the pressure cooker of Sunday mornings is really important. So your book came out of this. It's it's called I Hate Christmas, but I love yeah, Jesus. I love Jesus, but I hate Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Love, I love that. Um, <laughs> so kind of set, set us up here. Why why do you hate Christmas, and why why the why the title? <laughs> well, I mean, I think most tech people can relate to the fact that you know Christmas is a lot of work right now. Uh, that we're recording this right before Easter. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, people it could be, are, be yeah, the same thing. That's the follow-up book. Yeah, uh, I hate Easter too, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's that feels harder to say uh, as a Christian. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, the Christmas time is a time that yeah, a lot of tech people were working really hard and we're missing our families and mm-hmm. we're there super late. I mean, I you know some of the longest hours I've ever worked are around Christmas time, and uh, the reality is that some of that. I think can be avoided um, if we live our everyday lives differently. And so, uh, yeah, the title, yeah, which is somebody way back in the early two thousands came up with it uh, in just uh, a fun way. And I asked him if I could steal it um, uh, when the book actually came out, but yeah, it's so true that I I want, I want to be known for my love of Christ, but I, yeah, the, but I'm being buried by Christmas. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think similar to the, just the name Philo, it's a way, it's a phrase that I think a lot of tech people can identify with. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, you tell a story in the book about <clears throat> mission statements. So let, let's, I'm going to kind of shift to that. So sure. I love this story. So uh, you were saying that someone that you had a mission statement that that included that that someone called you out on and disagreed with uh that the production well you didn't you you said in the mission statement that um you're serving artists uh you're serving the people who do the art and you didn't take into account that production is a form of an art form you want to talk about that some yeah, yeah. So the yeah the mission statement it was kind of in the eras uh, in the era when everybody was trying to come up with a mission statement and like oh the, we should have one of those, and so I kind of uh, came up with it in a vacuum, you know, just by myself. And then yeah, when I presented it to the team, it was yeah so much of it was about just serving, uh, allow uh, creating a space for other ministry to happen. And yeah, the conversation devolved pretty quickly and for several weeks where we just kind of fought over what, what are we trying to, what are we about? Are we about just, okay, ministry's happening. How can we support it versus we're co-ministering, uh, we're co-artists with this thing that, that um, we're not just here. We're not uh, 
you know, just glorified janitors here. We're, right. we're actually co-laboring mm-hmm. together and co-creating. And so, um, yeah, it really, it really changed my perspective. I mean, so part of it is, yeah, do, does some of, so each of us has an art form and mine happens to be in the world of technology and so, yeah, okay, does my art form mean that, you know, I'm the first one there and the last one out? Yes. Does it mean I'm setting the stage up and mopping the, you know, the floor or whatever to, so that the stage looks clean? Yes. Um, but, but what I'm doing and how I'm doing it is, is an art form to itself. Yeah. Um, I think if you, you know, if you took a vocalist from your stage, you would say, oh, they're a great vocalist and that's their art form. You would never put them behind the console generally speaking, because that isn't their art form. That's somebody else's form of art. That's something that they're gifted at and created to do. And so um, I I think even it doesn't matter how technically minded you are. Um, In the book I talked about, you know, Mm. uh, had a guy on the team named John that he was an artist at fixing things. Like he could fix anything. He understood how it worked. His solder joints were beautiful. Um, yeah, it almost, when he touched it, it worked better than when it was brand new. And so this is the uh, only podcast that you're going to hear that your solder joints are beautiful. Yeah. Right. And so uh, (laughs) I think the, um, you don't want me soldering anything, uh, because it will, it will end badly. And so, yeah, that is not my art form. And so I think it's, yeah, it's, it's really in. I guess there's the macro kind of conversation about, hey, we're artists serving other artists, serving with other artists. Uh, that's one conversation. Then the other is really, what is my what is my art form? Because right. I think a lot of tech people, <clears throat> they kind of get shoved behind the, the audio desk because that's where there's a need. It doesn't necessarily mean that's their <laughs> art form. So it's re- really uh, important for us to figure out what is the thing I'm really good at and doing that. So I've told this uh, story this several times. So when I when I was uh, on staff at New Spring Church, <clears throat> we had these tours, like opportunities tours that would go around. And it would be a group of people that were t- trying to figure out where they were going to serve. And the, they would have a host. And I would notice that when they came around the production room, we were like in a warehouse. When they ca- came around, they would say, this, this is the production room. If you like to get up at five o'clock in the morning and spend six hours here <laughs> all day long and what, and I would, uh, I finally, I overheard them. No. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, when you come by, just pitch it to me, just throw it to yeah, me yeah. and I'll, <laughs> and I'll handle it. And what I found is if, if I cast the vision of like, Hey, who in this group has, been has had some type of life change experience through the worship experience who has come to know the lord show of hands who who has grown in your walk with christ well that's what we do here we're creating Mm -hmm. an experience an experience where the holy spirit uh, obviously the holy spirit is is using us right create an experience where life life change in you happened you want to join us yeah, yeah, like it became very different than very different yeah. than you want to be here for seven hours and not get a break. Uh, yeah, you know, so maybe maybe t- talk to that in in relation to the mission statement and yeah. how we cast a, our vision. Yeah, I mean, I think we we had talked um, over the years. I've been in many conversations about what are we about, what's our mission statement, and <clears throat> yeah, uh, a distraction free environment. I'm all about that. That that matters a lot to me. I don't want to get in the way of what God wants to do. But is that 
is that our mission? Just like, as long as no one's distracted, we're doing our job. Uh, that's not big enough for me. Right. Um, same with like excellence or um, yeah, no mistakes, or there are all these things that really matter, but they're not the most important thing. Um, they sort of all collectively <laughs> add to this idea of, you know what, we're combining our gift with the gift of others to create an environment where God can show up and work right. and move in the most effective and, way and possible. And it puts a different spin on, you miss that lyric. You miss that lighting right. cue. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, did we, it, it, it becomes less about the detail there and more about, well, did, did that life change happen? Yes. When, right. dude, yes. when? And so part like, of it is Don't too, worry like about the, the, you missed the lyric. Yeah, right. the Do distra- we want it to be perfect? Yes, but. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so creating ahead. a distraction-free environment, we need to be, as tech people, we need to be about that. That's what matter. It does matter. Right. But it's, <clears throat> it's, it's a value that we hold on to. It's not our mission. And so, yeah, yeah if, if we've created a, a distraction, hey, let's talk about it. Hey, this remember, this is a value. And what now, okay, what are we going to do about it? What, how can we learn from this mistake or whatever so that we're not creating a distraction later? But yeah, if all you're asking me to do is show up at 5 a.m. so that I don't create any distractions for people, I could probably think of some stuff I'd rather be doing. Right. Yeah. So let me ask you this in relation to that. <clears throat> if I'm stuck in a role... Mm-hmm. that doesn't fit me, that's not my or art form, how do I get out of it if I'm a volunteer or staff member? Yeah, right. That's a super, uh, feels like a loaded question in a way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe there's several <clears throat> answers. I think, I think this probably applies to more than just tech people, but because it's my experience, my own experience, I, I'll put, uh, put us in that uh, category. So uh, tech people... I think a lot of times we gain our identity from what we do and how well we do it. And so the, the task of like, say being the front of house engineer that I get, uh, I get my identity from that. Uh, and so I'm, I'm maybe hesitant to give it up. Um, even though I might not be good at it or it might not be the right fit for me. Um, and I think, uh, so that's maybe not really a- answering your question, but it's a little twist on that. I think a lot of us hold really tightly to the thing that we feel like defines us when we really need to be open to, maybe I need to be just a person that helps the band and wraps cables and, and that's the extent of what I'm doing. Even volunteers, I would agree. Yeah, even I'll volunteers. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, staff, volunteers, doesn't matter. That we, we, we need to let go of kind of where we need to shift our identity, where we're getting our, de- our identity from, which is from Christ, not from how we serve Christ. Um, because I think, yeah, you're only as good as your last service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, that's just no way to live. I think if you're stuck in a role, I, I mean, I would, I've been in this space many times that I feel like we have to be really honest with ourselves. If you're a, a staff or a volunteer, I think especially a tech person, we're very responsible people and we don't want to let the team down. And so there's part of it that, okay, I'm stuck in this role, but if I don't do it, no one else will. And so I'm just going to keep doing it. Um, but I think the reality is that, again, if you're not defined by how often you serve or you know how your serving goes, to be willing to say, God is in control and God has a perfect place for me. And this doesn't feel like it's it. And so I'm robbing myself of 
what the best that God has for me by staying here. I'm also robbing somebody else, some future person that will fit here perfectly. Um, And so if I don't, if I don't, uh, if I'm not honest with the people that I work with, that I report to, to say, Hey, this doesn't feel like a great fit for me. uh, Then yeah, you're doing a disservice to yourself and to the, yeah, to the future person that could fill that role better. Um, and I, I would say even like, as we're talking about this, this feels very familiar to me because the thing that sort of led me to um, start Philo, to, to leave my job at, at Willow Creek and start Philo was this very thing. Uh, like, I don't feel like this fits me anymore. And so let's have a conversation about it. Um, I think I, th- I was terrified to have the conversation, which I think probably a lot of us do. So we don't have it. Uh, just way yeah. easier not to have the conversation. But Worried about th- how the church staff will leadership will react to that, or right, right, yeah. Just what's <clears throat> going to happen with this, right? But the but I've learned over and over in my life uh, a lot of times the hard way is that God is asking us to be obedient. Mm-hmm. In a you know in a micro kind of like every moment uh, scenario, and the outcomes are His responsibility. Like if 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 the out, if the outcomes are my responsibility, then um, I'll work harder. I'll you know stay longer. I'll you know all those things. But really, God is asking us to trust Him. And you know, if we're feeling unsettled that this isn't the right fit for me, are you willing to trust God to step away from it and see what He does? You're saying it's not my responsibility how the church leadership reacts. To it. Right. Yeah. It's your responsibility to, I'm feeling this way. It's feeling like this isn't a great fit. Let's have a conversation. And I would say even in my own example, it probably took me a month or six weeks from the moment I felt like this, I need mm-hmm. to, something's not right here to being uh, uh, like less terrified enough to say, I don't think this is a good fit for me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And, and really, that, that six-week journey was all about, do I trust God for the outcome of this conversation? And yeah. What about this? It kind of relates. How do I not be as defensive? So if, if a pastor comes up and says, hey, we missed a cue or, or whatever the situation might be, how do we prevent ourselves from, well, you just, he just doesn't understand what I do from being defensive and, and, and not accepting critique. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we all have, so this is where like defining yourself more as an artist really helps because uh, if you're preaching a message or singing a song or playing in the band or painting something that you put on display, like you're opening yourself up to public critique. And so maybe you're, Maybe those people aren't great at it, but it's part of what it means to be a painter, be a vocalist. Um, and so for tech people, I think we just, we hide in the shadows so often that the, the idea that um, you're putting your, your artwork on display, if you're a lighting designer, you're putting that out for people and now you're, you will get feedback. Um, and so part of it is you just have to get over, again, uh, you have well. You have to get over the fact that it's um, this comes with the territory. Number one, and number two is how are you? Where are you defining your worth from? Is it from the comments that you get of the the lineup of people outside the booth saying they hate your mix, or is it coming from somewhere else? 
Now, I mean, if you have a lineup of people that hate your mix, <laughs> there's be. probably some conversations <laughs> that need to be had, right. but um, <clears throat> that's not, uh, that's not where we're gaining our identity from. And that's maybe even not how we define a great mix by that, by those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of it is figuring out where do you, where do you take your feedback from where, who does it matter from? Um, you know, for me, it's like, if the senior pastor hates the mix, guess what? We're fixing it. Yep. Um, if Joe Schmo in row five doesn't like it, ah, you know what? Yeah. This but what happens, it's gonna be. what happens when that, those two worlds combine? So I'm a senior yeah. pastor. Hey, I got an anonymous email or I got an email from someone that I'm not going to tell you who it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they don't like the mix. Yeah. I need you to change it. Well, sure. pastor, is that one person or is that? Your opinion, how do you wrestle right. through? Yeah, so that that comes back to what we were talking about earlier about this idea of having a mission statement and values. What do we what do we want it to sound like? What are we shooting for? Right. Have we had that conversation? I would say most churches haven't. Right. Uh, and so what ends up happening mm-hmm. is like, well, I don't like how it sounds. Okay, well, how should it sound? Right. Nobody can really say. And so it's really important to, in that particular example, let's sit down and figure out what is important to us. And here's a list of songs that we like how they sound. And that's what we're shooting for. Yeah, and okay. If we're not hitting if we're not attaining that and people aren't liking it, that's one conversation. But if it sounds like the leadership of the church says, this is the way we want it to sound, then uh, yeah, I think it's just reminding the pastor, Hey, this is kind of how we said we wanted it to sound. If we need to change it, let's change it. But right. That you know, um, let's not knee-jerk reaction to of some one. anonymous tip. Yeah. Right. Um, if so, when I was at Willow, I was the one kind of reaching out to those people who were complaining. And so, if we were getting a lot of them, okay, there's something here to be figured out. If we're getting one, one and two, it's like I'm still going to have a conversation with that person, but I'm not necessarily going to change how we do stuff right. just because one person <clears throat> doesn't like it. Right. Yeah. Good. All right, so let's talk about shortcuts. So I think maybe sometimes in in production world, and and I've been guilty of this. Uh, the the more the older I get, the more open I am about what I don't know, and uh-huh. not trying to fake that I do know about it. <laughs> um, and so, what are some? And this might be for younger guys or just guys that need to hear it. What are, what are some shortcuts that maybe production folks have taken that eventually might catch up with them if they're not careful? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the obvious ones are sort of like not doing line check before the band arrives or not checking videos, you know, before you're playing them in the service. And I mean, I think there are a lot of time related shortcuts that, that, it can be really tempting to to um, to take, and I think we get uh, tech people get a bad reputation uh, because of it. So, like the person tapping on the mic, is this on? A little feedback, you know. It's in every movie that has a public, you know, somebody speaking, you know, at a school assembly, um, or a video not playing well, or you know, just I think a lot of that comes down to just taking shortcuts. Ah, I'm going to come in at seven instead of six 30 and, you know, or whatever. And then it also comes back to this idea of, do we know what we're about? Uh, what's our mission statement? What are our values? If distraction-free environment is one of those, 
come in when, when you need to, to make sure that everything is ready as much as it depends on you. Now, there are things that will happen that you have no control over or that have never happened before um, that you have, you can't prepare for, but um, yeah, the, I think everything that's within your control, you need to like nail down and then you have to relax with the things that aren't in your control. Right. Um, because yeah, there are things that will happen um, that you can't control, but yeah, uh, taking shortcuts. I mean, we all, you know, part of it is we're all trying to do them. Like what's a more efficient way of doing this or what's a cheaper way of doing this. And then when you figure out that that corner that you cut doesn't work, <laughs> all right, let's spend the money now or spend right. the time or uh, let's, we got to restore that corner. <laughs> Hey, everybody. My name is Justin Firesheets. I'm the production director at Church of the Highlands based in Birmingham, Alabama. I've been here for about a dozen years. Hard to believe. You know what else is hard to believe? I'm going to be at Philo 2021, and I am so excited. I remember the first year of this event several years ago when Todd and the team let me know about this amazing new experience in the Chicago area. I couldn't wait to be part of it, and I'm so thrilled to be back in person. You know, the 2020 event was virtual, which was awesome, but there's nothing better than being with your friends in the tech world in person. And I can't wait to do that with you guys in Chicago. It's going to be an amazing experience. You can go online now to register at philo.org. I'm already, like, I already know what I'm going to be sharing. And it's an exciting thing. I, I don't want to spoil it. Don't want to give away any surprises, okay? But it's going to be awesome. And you're going to love being part of it. I'm so thankful for Todd and his team for what they have been able to help grow over these last few years. One of the reasons I love this event so much is for what what it means to the church tech community. You know, during this kind of a COVID and quarantine season, I think we have all realized how much we miss just connecting with other people in our ministry, doing it, uh, you know, digitally and online and virtually and through chat rooms. It's not really the same as being in person with other folks from all across the country that we can learn from and grow from. And I can't wait to be able to do this again in the spring. And let me tell you, be thinking about this too. This isn't just an opportunity to grow in our tech technical skill. This is an opportunity for us to grow relationally. And so as you prepare your team for being part of Philo 21, I want you to already be thinking about, are there relationships I need to build? Are there people I need to meet? Are there people I need to learn from? Because iron sharpens iron. We've got to have other people in our lives that we can learn from. I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for relationships that I built at conferences like Philo when I was just getting my feet wet in this industry. We need relationships. You're going to make a lot of great ones in the spring in Chicago. I can't wait to see you there. Don't forget to register at philo.org. Love you guys. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Next week on the show, part two of my interview with the founder of Philo, Todd Elliott. Philo Conference is coming up May 11th and 12th in Chicago. It will be a digital event with a live studio audience. And I'm so honored that Todd and his team has asked me to come and serve as the host of the Creativity and Communication track there at Philo this year. So you'll be hearing from me before each of those sessions at the event, both online uh, and we'll be doing some stuff in person. And I can't wait to see you guys there. If you're planning on attending Philo, either online or in Chicago, please let me know. I would love to meet you and chat with you whether that's through a Zoom call or a chat window or in person at our booth, 
I love hanging out with you guys. So feel free to let me know, please, uh, that you will be attending Philo, and I would love to meet you. Uh, free articles, archives, and resources, as always, are on our website at 1230.media forward slash training. And thank you guys so much for hanging out. Go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.